I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living hope, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart beats. Oh, 
So that's uh, another story. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about the. So experience. so I had and I had not read I had not yet read the gospel. That's definite. Uh, so I had a dream that I was walking around the garden trying to get in a walled garden, and I couldn't get in. I, I it was very steep walls, and I was kept trying to climb up. And I hmm. I found vines and little things that, but I couldn't get to the top. And I got really frustrated. And I kept going around. And I and then I saw a man, and, and he said, what's the matter with you? And I said, I, I want to get in, and I can't climb over. He said, well, then use the door. There it is. So I walked in, opened the door, and walked in, and there was the garden. And <laughs> later, when I was in church, I think the first time I went to the church I'm now a member of, there was a picture of Jesus knocking on the door. But I had never heard that knock on the door. And it, you know, if you knock, it will be open for you. That was, mm -hmm. I had yet to re read that. But I dreamed it. <laughs> so that, that had a big effect on me, <laughs> as wow. you can see. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, about to start tearing up myself. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot more for us to, to cover in this short interview. But, is it, yeah, is there, is there anything that you'd like to leave with the audience before we close it out? Yeah, I, I think I have one main message. I think I, I think I was called, as so many of us are called, to give one message to people who are questioning their faith, especially if they're questioning it because of science. <clears throat> and that's the reason I wrote my book. It's the reason I'm writing, <clears throat> excuse me, articles. Science and Christian faith are absolutely not in conflict. I understand that people growing up in faith occasionally <clears throat> will, uh, will lose it for various reasons, but one of those reasons should never be science, okay, because science is not anti-Christian. Science is not atheistic. Christianity... Uh, was instrumental in the foundation of science, in the beginning of science. All the original scientists were, were uh, Christians, and that remains. There's still many, many scientists who are Christians, despite the current atmosphere, which is somewhat hostile to Christianity. But uh, my prediction is what I see now happening is that atheists are beginning to deny the reality of science. You find atheists saying, no, no, the universe didn't have a beginning. It's been there forever. No. They say the DNA is not a code. There's no genetic code. It's not a real code. Wrong. And the reason these are not scientists necessarily, but they're atheists who think they, they are seeing this from various people, and the reason they're attacking scientific facts, because they, they are, is because the scientific facts are pointing more and more to what they don't want to accept, which is that this world has a creator. And everything we see is, is part of the creation, including ourselves. So if you are being told that you have to choose between science and your Christian faith, reject that. Whoever told you that is wrong. It's not true. What's true is Christianity. Wow. 
Dr. Seigart was raised to be an atheist by parents who were in the 1930s actually members of the Communist Party here in the U.S. Their atheism was devout, and his father was a chemist. Well, Sai followed his father's footsteps in college and studied science, but his study led him to ask deep questions about life on earth and how it all came to be and how could it possibly be so complex and beautiful and perfectly ordered without there having been intelligent design. The study of science led Sai to look for God. And like other scientists before him, the closer he studied science, the closer he came to believing in God, which ultimately led him to Jesus. Welcome to our first week of our message series, Wrestling with Doubt, Finding Faith, inspired by Pastor Adam Hamilton's book of the same title. This week, we're examining the question, is there really a God? Have any of you ever wrestled with this question? I have. There was a time in high school when I started listening to the wrong people who said evolution was how we all came to be here and that Bible stories were just ancient children's bedtime stories and that religion was just opiate for the masses and a bunch of lies like that. And the longer I tried to believe that there was no God, that I had been fooled by those church people, there was no hope of heaven or answered prayers, the more depressed and angry I became. I can tell you from personal experience that being an atheist is miserable. I graduated high school, went on to college, and continued to make horrible decisions until one morning I found myself looking for a payphone. And as soon as that sun came up, I called my Meemaw, the most devout person in my whole family. I knew Meemaw was who I needed to talk to, and when she picked up the phone and I heard her voice, I just started crying and said, Meemaw, I'm lost. She said, oh my goodness, Mimi, I have been praying for you for years. I'm so glad you called. I said, I can't believe in God because so many bad things happened in our family and keep happening, but I'm miserable. And she said, Mimi, how can you look at the beautiful sunrise or the flowers or the birds and not believe there's a God that created it all? Of course you can believe in God. She said, yes, bad things do happen, but God is with you and loves you. So she prayed for me and I rededicated my life to Jesus standing there at a payphone on the side of the highway in North Mississippi with my Mima on the other line. I chose to stop doubting that there was a God, but I had to find my answers to all these questions I had about God because after I had left home, I discovered I didn't understand anything about the world or my place in it, and I hadn't seen much of God in my college experience. So I started looking for a church, and I soon found a house church where they spent a lot of time doing scripture study, using concordances and dictionaries, and helping people learn how to use these tools to understand the Bible for themselves. And that was just the beginning of my return to the Jesus path. But before that phone call, my life had become so dark and full of doubts and questions and skepticism. The faith and the joy I had had as a child I lost due to tragedy in my family. But when I couldn't stand denying God anymore, God provided a lifeline, a meemaw that had been praying for me and reminded me that even the created earth speaks of God's existence. 
Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Yes, there's a God. Even the sunrises and sunsets proclaim it. I began wrestling with my doubts that year, and I did find faith. But each year since then, I have wrestled with more doubts and more questions, and my faith continues to grow. It's just a part of my faith journey. Each of us are on a faith journey. And there will be troubling questions that will crop up from time to time for all of us. Life throws us curveballs, and sometimes the people we thought were good mentors can turn out to be pretty confused themselves. So we have to keep searching for answers in different ways. There is nothing wrong with having doubts or questions. It's natural. God designed us to reason things out. As long as we wrestle with our doubts long enough to find the answers we need. It's all a part of our spiritual growth journeys. In Adam Hamilton's book, Wrestling with Doubt, Finding Faith, he mentions the world-famous scientist Stephen Hawking. He really admires him like many of us do. That man was brilliant. But Dr. Hawking did not believe in God he had a terribly debilitating disease called ALS that I imagine had a negative impact on his faith. The disease robbed him of everything, including the ability to speak. Other than his personal tragedy, Hawkins understood that science did not line up with biblical stories such as the seven days of creation when they are taken literally. Well, we're not supposed to take everything literally. The Bible is beautifully written. It uses numerous literary devices such as poetry and symbolism, metaphor and parables that point us to God, which help us understand God better. It was not written as a scientific argument to prove God's existence. Just like science, the Bible must be studied carefully and critically. When we do, we find that both the Bible and science point us to God. But there's another large obstacle that scientists face, and Adam Hamilton describes this one by mentioning Richard Dawkins, a noted evolutionary biologist and atheist, who acknowledges the difficulty of claiming the spontaneous generation of life on Earth and all that came before it, but notes that if the idea of a creator is accepted, one still has to explain who created the creator as Adam's children in his congregation have often asked him, who made God? He's right. Who made God? Adam says for him, it comes down to this question. Do I choose to believe in a universe that is self-created, whose laws are self-created, where life is ordered out of nothing? Or... Do I choose to believe in a universe that is an expression of the power, beauty, and will of God whose origins I cannot explain? Both require a measure of faith. Adam says he chooses the latter, and so do I. Trying to believe the former led me to major depression. Another major obstacle to people being able to believe in God, that, that God really does exist, is unanswered prayers. My family's tragedies affected my ability to believe for some years. I imagine Stephen Hawking's diagnosis of an incurable disease affected his faith to some degree. Hawking's said, If you accept, as I do, that the laws of nature are fixed, then it doesn't take long to ask, 
What role is there for God? One could define God as the embodiment of the laws of nature. However, this is not what most people would think of as God. They mean a human-like being with whom one can have a personal relationship. When you look at the vast size of the universe and how insignificant and accidental human life is in it, that seems most implausible. This is such a depressing view. But Adam Hamilton reminds us that Christian faith does not see God as a human-like being. It sees humans as in some way being God-like beings, created in the image of God, created with the capacity to love, reason, sustain, and care for one another and our planet. We're invited to be co-creators with God, to delve into important existential questions animals cannot explore. We have the ability to be selfless, to transcend mere instincts, and we have the capacity to experience fellowship with God. Hawking's point was that the vastness of the universe renders it implausible that there is a personal God who knows each of us by name, who walks with us, guides us, loves us, and never leaves us. But Adam says for him, so much of what Hawking's taught about quantum physics is consistent with the ability of God to know and simultaneously be connected to each of Earth's 8 billion people. Yes, have you ever studied quantum physics? It is fascinating. Quantum physics helps explain so much we formerly couldn't understand. Now, when we consider the mysteries of the universe in light of the behavior of atoms, neutrons, protons, and electrons on the molecular level, and how they behave unexpectedly, how they behave differently when there is an observer present, they know when they're being watched and when they're not. Quantum physics offers answers we never had before, and we're just beginning to scratch the surface with this science, and all of it points us to intelligent design. In other words, to the existence of God. Many people who come to AA or Al-Anon have a really tough time accepting the existence of God when they first get there because they have struggled for years and years with unanswered prayers. Their family members have been addicted to alcohol and have wreaked havoc on the family, destroying relationships and trust and financially draining them, and no relief ever came. Or they themselves have been addicted to alcohol. And even though they wanted to quit drinking, could never quit drinking on their own, even though they knew they were destroying their family and their own lives and health. But they could not stop picking up a drink. They had lost all control. These people come into the rooms of AA or Al-Anon with years of unanswered prayers. And many of them believe there is no God because their prayers didn't make their problems go away. But once they come to the meetings and hear how God, they refer to God as a higher power so as not to run off anybody who's been harmed by the church. How God has changed their lives for the better through the support of the fellowship, through following the biblical principles of the 12 steps, with the help of another person who has successfully completed the steps and is willing to walk with them through it, they slowly begin to experience improvement in their own lives. With every week that they keep coming back to the meetings, they find their situation improves and they discover that God is answering their prayers in unexpected ways. They slowly find their faith again. Once, 
when a seasoned AA mentor sponsor was asked by his newcomer sponsee to prove to him that there is a God, he replied, how can you explain water to a fish? How can you explain water to a fish? It's all around the fish, around it and in it. The fish can't live without it. But does the fish realize this? The Apostle Paul said in Acts 17, 28, In him we live and move and have our being. These are the answers we get when we look for God in the Bible. In God we live and move and have our being. God is spirit and God is love. God can no longer be seen since Jesus ascended, but God can be experienced. And it is the faithful witness of thousands of Jesus' followers who have gone before us and experienced God themselves that we rely on. That experience and the traditions that they set up for us to remember our faith by, our own experience, reason, and scripture. This is what Methodists call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. Whenever we have doubts or questions, we can use these four tools to wrestle with the questions and find our faith again. If you are wrestling with whether or not God really does exist, consider this. Could all of the millions of people who have carried this faith throughout the centuries have all been wrong? It might be worth wrestling with just a little longer. Keep coming back. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. This is the Lord's table. It is open to all. Will everyone that's going to help me serve, please come forward so I can serve you. And I will serve the band first so that they can play for us some traveling music.
table is set, won't you all come as you feel led? And if you would like the little self-serve cups, they're on the back prayer table.
Y'all stand with us and we'll sing our final song today. My Jesus. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he do for you what he's done for me let me tell you about my jesus let my jesus change your life hallelujah 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 amen amen symptoms, but he's in God's hands. He's in good hands, and we're making room for the EMTs to carry our friend Joe to get professional help. 
But everybody, if you would just lift a hand towards Joe, and we're going to pray again for him. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for healing him, for protecting him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Be with him and with his doctors this afternoon and get him back to us completely healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joe, all is well. So, guys, we have a new hire, not just um, Peter Simons, but we have Cassie. Cassie, do you want to come up? This is Cassie Grove. Yeah, I know, Cassie, there's never a dull moment here at PRISM. <laughs> Cassie comes to us all the way from Pennsylvania. He is our new director of high school ministries. Yeah. I can just keep on bragging about you. Why don't you just tell him what you do? You're a musician and all. Uh, yeah, so I'm a musician. I play a lot of instruments, um, and uh, I'm really passionate about um, helping youth to find what they're passionate about and lead in that and uh, point people to Christ. So I'm excited to do that here in Tennessee. Um, so yeah, I'm here. We're so grateful that you came. Thank you for getting here as fast as you could. All right. All right, we had a mission moment scheduled. Um, we have got so much happening all at one time.